Recently, my brother gifted me with a sim racing wheel, and that allows me to race these fast cars around these famous racetracks. And one of the very first things they tell you to do as you're learning how to drive, even in driver's ed and even in fast cars, is maintain a good eye line. You, you, you need to look towards where you're going. Now, there's a lot of information to process, especially as you're going, as you're driving these fast cars. You're having to shift much more frequently because there's a lot more turns. You're having to keep track of your, of how your tire temperatures and are, are, you, are you going, are you having too much wear on your tires? How quickly you're burning your fuel, your brake bias. There's a lot of numbers and a lot of information to keep track of. And especially, too, as, as you're going fast, as you're going through these fast cars, the margin for error is very slim. So if you, if you hit the grass a little bit, your car is going to spin. And, and, and it makes you want to start looking down at all this information and processing everything. But the cardinal rule of driving is maintain your eye line. Because there's no point in knowing all of this information if you don't know where you're going. If you maintain your eye line, you're able to drive smoothly. Even as you're driving, for us who, who just drive to the supermarket or drive to work every day, if you're only looking down at the road, you're actually going to swerve more than if you're just looking at the next traffic light. It directs you, it guides you. And I, the reason I bring this up is because in Micah so far, as we're nearing the end of Micah, we've, we've gone through and the Israelites have heard these prophecies and, and there's a lot of information in there. There's a lot of things to remember in there. From the beginning about their sin, about how they were oppressing the poor, how they had idols, how their unjust leaders only looked out for themselves, how their spiritual leaders were perverting the message of God for their own personal sake. But then, and then you had the punishment for their sin is that they're going away into captivity. They're going to be taken away by Babylon, by Assyria. But then you also had God saying, I will bring a restoration one day. All the world will come to the mountain of the Lord. And there is going, I'm going to be raising one. I'm going to be raising a Messiah. And so therefore... What we must do as a people of Israel is lament and repent and turn from our wickedness and to do what is right because we know that God is good. And so th there's all this information that Israel has gotten. And God says, God says there, there's going to be a lot that's happening to you in these days. Now here's your eye line. There's all this data. There's all these things. Now here's your eye line. Here's what you need to see. Remember. In this passage, the, the word that's repeated again and again is, I will see, they will see, they will know. There's a lot of this language about the eyes. And God says, with everything, as we're coming to the end, here's where your eye line needs to be. With all of this information that you remember as you're going into exile, as you're remembering, as you're hoping for hope, for restoration, Here's where your eye line needs to be. All right, verse 7. But as for me, I will look. I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. So I'm going to propose to you today in this passage that there are two eye lines that God wants us to have. 
that we're supposed to see and maintain our eyes to these two things. The first is the judgment of God. The judgment of God. We're going to read verses 8 to 10. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out to the light. I shall look upon his vindication. Then my enemy will see and shame will cover her who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look to her. Now she will be trampled down like the mire of the streets. The first eye line that we're supposed to see is the judgment of God. Now, when we normally think of the judgment of God, we think of his judgment towards sin and his punishment. But I'll contend over here that the judgment of God in this case is a beautiful thing. Because the judgment of God here is the judgment of those who have repented and lamented for their sin. And for those who have repented, it says, when I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will bring me into the light. For, for, for those who have repented and lamented, God's judgment is hope. God's judgment is rest and is peace. And that, that, that's a beautiful thing for Israel because there is recognition of their sin. I will bear the indignation of the Lord that, that their punishment that's coming is because of their own sin. Yet they know but when they repent of that sin that God will bring them hope. God will bring them back. That there's nothing for the nations, there's nothing for anyone else to laugh at them about because God will bring them back. Because God, not the nations, not anyone else, is ultimately their judge. Now for Israel, that's a future hope. That's, that, that's a future promise because they're, they're going to be going into exile soon. The punishment for their sin is coming soon. But for us, that hope has already come because there has been one who has already borne the indignation of God's wrath. There's one who has already received the punishment for us, and that's Jesus. That's Jesus on the cross. And that means right now, because what Jesus did on the cross, because he died for us, because he bore our sin, and because he resurrected from the grave, we therefore right now, in this very moment, have hope. Those who have put their hope and trust don't have to worry about the judgment of God, but can find rest and hope in the peace of God because his wrath has already been paid for. And that's a rest and a hope for us. That's one of the first things. Our island, the judgment of God for those who have repented, for those who have lamented over their sin, the judgment of God is grace and is hope. 
Yet also we don't, we don't ignore the judgment of God on wickedness and on evil. In verses 16 and 17, the nations shall see and be ashamed of all their might. They shall lay their hands on their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent, like the crawling things of the earth. They shall come trembling out of their strongholds. They shall turn in dread to to the Lord our God. They shall be in fear of you. God's judgment doesn't ignore sin, doesn't ignore evil, doesn't ignore wickedness. And so for Israel, as they are going to be judged, as God is going to use the nations to judge them, God promises that wickedness will not go unjudged. Wickedness will not go unpunished. And so for Israel, that means that they can trust judgment to God. Now, that, that, that doesn't totally resolve them of, of, of being part of justice, right? Because famously, in, in chapter 6, verse 8, it says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice. Part of their repentance, part of the way that they show that their hearts have changed is by doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with God. And, and so it, it doesn't absolve them and it doesn't absolve us of doing justice as well. God, yes, he will judge the wicked, but that doesn't mean that we, are, that we don't worry about justice, that we don't worry about, you know, taking care of the poor around us taking care of the taking care of of, of the of the oppressed of the homeless of caring for for us around who are disenfranchised but that but it also means too that when we when in the world as we're trying to make a difference as we're trying to do good and we're not seeing good happen that one day god will make things right again that for the evil forces that are causing oppression, that God will one day deal with those things. Therefore, as we do, as we are part of justice, as we love kindness, we can persevere and we don't need to be faced with discouragement. The first eye line that we need to have is that God judges. And the judgment of God for those who repent, for those who lament over their sins, is grace and hope. But for those who still sin for evil, we can trust that God will judge righteously. Now the second eye line that we, that we need to see is in verses 11 to 15. A day for the building of your walls. In that day the boundary shall be far extended. In that day they will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt and from Egypt to the river, from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. But the earth will be desolate because of its inhabitants for the fruit of their deeds. I'll say the second eye line 
is that there will be a day where God brings his peace. There will be a day. We need to look forward. We're looking to the day where God brings his peace and his rest. You know, in, in the beginning, in, in, verse, in verse 10, it, it talks about a day of building the walls, of expanding the boundaries. And it says it, it expands the wall and the boundaries and the people that are going to come are going to be uh, uh, Egypt, who are enemies of Israel, and Assyria, who are going to be the ones who oppress Israel, right? And he says there's going to be an expansion of the boundary from sea to sea, from mountain to mountain. It's going to be encompassing of all things and of all people, including your enemies, right? For the Israelites, whose land, who God promises as they go into exile, their land's going to be destroyed. There is going to be no more Israel because they're taken away. They're, the promise that God has for them is there will be a time of restoration for you. That exile is not the end, but that there is hope. And things will, the, the kingdom of God his nation will expand further than they could even imagine, which would even include their enemies. Now, for us today, in this perspective of the 21st century, on this side of the cross, we know that the expansion was, is not a physical expansion, but it's a spiritual one. It's the inclusion of people like us who aren't ethnically or racially Jewish who aren't Israelites by birth. We have been grafted in to this kingdom of God. Right? It says from, from sea to sea, from, from sea to sea, from mountain to mountain, that language is all the world, all the known world at that time is going to be part of this kingdom. And so we already are starting to see that today from the beginning of the church after Jesus, the expansion of not just Jews, but Gentiles, of all people, of the expansion of the inclusion of us in this church as well. And now, what is it being expanded to? What are the horizons going to? What is, why is the expansion happening? Verses 14. Shepherd your people with a staff, the flock of your inheritance, who dwell alone in a forest, in the midst of a garden land. Let them graze in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old. That is a picture of peace. The expansion of all peoples, of all Israel, of the walls, of the boundaries, is for the sake of peace and the people coming to God again. God taking care of his people like a shepherd, like a shepherd takes care of his sheep, where there's tenderness, where there's love, where there's care. You, you, might be, you might be wondering what it, what it means, um, letting them graze in Bashan and Gilead. Bashan and Gilead essentially were just the, the, the two boundaries where they entered into the promised land. And, and what is the promised land? It is a place of rest. The expansion, the inclusion of all people, of, of all nations, this this view that we're supposed to see, that we're supposed to put our eyes on. The expansion is that all the world would find their rest in God, like a sheep to its shepherd, grazing in the promised land. And in the end too, it says, as in the days of old, 
15, as in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt. When they came out of the land of Egypt, before they got into the promised land, as they were in the wilderness, they camped around God, the pillar of fire at the night. They divided their camp into 12 slices of a circle, 12 slices of a pie. And in the very center was the pillar of fire that was God. God dwelt and was with them. The eye line that we're supposed to see is that all the nations are supposed to come to the Lord and find rest in him and know them as God. And on this side of the cross, and on this side of history, we know that it is the inclusion of us. But we also know that this process isn't done yet, right? There are still people out there who don't know Christ. There are people out in our communities, in Boston, in Lexington, in the United States, in North America, in the world, who don't know Christ. And this is why, as a church, one of our core convictions and our values is valuing missions. Because we know the heart of God, even from the time of Micah, is that the whole world, every person, would know Christ and find rest in God and know God. And if we're not quite there yet, and if we're, if we're still looking and seeing that the world has people that doesn't know who, who Jesus is, then we'd say, our view might need to be changed and we might need to be living lives towards that. We might need to be starting to change our views and starting to look up from the things that we need to do every day and all the little data points and all the things we need to do from work and say, maybe our view needs to be looking up towards the will of God and the heart of God to reach the nations and reach the world. Because the heart of God clearly is that the world would find rest in knowing him. We are a result of that. We are a result of someone coming to us or someone in our family sharing the gospel with us. The heart of God is that we, as a people, that as the world, we'd follow in the will of God and reach the nations. Even our enemies. That's why Assyria is in here. That's why Egypt is in here. Because even those who are considered enemies of God, God will still accept them if there's a turning and repentance from their sin. The two things that God wants Israel and wants us to see, that he wants our view to look out to as we live our lives, is this, the judgment of God that God's judgment is kind, is hopeful, and is gracious to those who repent and lament to their sin. Yet we can trust that God will judge evil in the world. The second is this, that there is peace in God. And that peace ought to be extended to the whole world. Those are these two views 
that as we live our lives, that we ought to be looking at. Now I understand that there, there's, there's a lot of things that are happening in our lives every day. There's a lot of anxieties. And, and this week was a particularly anxiety-driven week for me. I, I've been clenching my teeth and grinding my teeth in time where I'm just driving my car. And I'm like, why am I so tense and stressed? You know, and, and I'm worried about my future. I, I'm, I'm still worried about my kids. I feel like the Lord might be bringing me in, in new directions and I'm not sure what's going to happen with my life right now. I'm worried about COVID. Taiwan recently closed its borders to, to everyone again. <laughs> so I'm not sure when I'll be able to go back to Taiwan and see my family. My wife has been really stressed out about taking care of the kids and really hurting. And, and I, 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 there's so many things in my life that I'm just like, ah, I, I, there's so many things that I'm worried about and I'm tensed and struggled about. And I feel like this week God has been reminding me, get your view right. Get your view right. It's not ignoring all of these things, but it's looking looking to what God has, what God's plans are, the things that are a little bit greater, so that as we're driving this car, we're not veering back and forth, but we have stability and we have peace, we have certainty, because we know these things of God, because we're looking towards these things. So my prayer today is that we would be people who, you know, even as we're just driving every day in our cars and as we're practicing good driving skills, as we're looking, to the, as we're looking towards the next traffic light or the next two traffic lights or we're looking towards signs on the highway that keep us steady as we drive, that it would remind us that there are things that God has placed in our view there are things that God has told us to look at, that he's calling us to, that help us look, not just turning inwardly towards ourselves, but we'd look towards the things of God, just like he's telling Israel to do. I pray that we also would be people who do it as well. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would turn our eyes to the things of you. You would give us eyes to see your judgment and how that's good. And you'd give us eyes to see the peace that you give and that you want to extend to the world. Lord, and, and you would help us to have a new view. You'd help us to look up and see where you'd want us to see. Help us, Lord Jesus. We are sinners in need of a Savior, and you are a God who has come and saved us. Help us to see what you would have us to see, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.